As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. Football season's in full gear. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. FanDuel app is safe. You get paid fast. A lot of ways to play. The spread, the money line, team totals, players, props. A lot of stuff. Over-unders. Jump into the action. Same game parlays are my favorite. Just use the promo code Colin and download the FanDuel app today. Hi, everybody. Welcome in the always interesting, contentious, antagonistic Mike Silver on the Niners is joining us in 10 minutes. So generally speaking, California teams are wealthy in the context of comparing them to other sports franchises. Stan Kroenke owns the Rams. He's the first or second richest NFL owner. The Dodgers have the biggest payroll in baseball could be 50 million annually more than any other team, but there are exceptions. Robert Sarver was forced to sell the Phoenix Suns. Do you know who now is the poorest NBA owner? Take a second. Jeannie Buss, Lakers, the poorest NBA owner. Now, this has been one of my concerns all along. It's gone from a global brand to a national brand to now the Lakers are just an L.A. brand. The truth is they're not even the most popular NBA team in terms of NBA ratings. In California, the Warriors are. The Lakers organization is friends and family. It is an incredibly insular brand now instead of creative and innovative and progressive. It's not the most popular basketball brand in the state of California, the Warriors are. In fact, I would argue it's not the most popular sports brand in Los Angeles. The Dodgers are. (laughs) The Dodgers draw 10,000 more fans per game than the second best attendance team in Major League Baseball, which I think is the Yankees. So, When Stan Kroenke or wealthier owners, the Dodgers, can go past a tax threshold because they just want to win, it's a huge advantage. The Lakers, they just don't have the net worth as an ownership group. And this is something I've harped on for a long time. LeBron has an international brand. His brand right now is better perceived than the Lakers brand. Now, he left the Cavaliers. They have no brand outside of Ohio. But isn't that interesting that in Los Angeles, all things considered, the Dodger owners among the richest, the Rams owners among the richest, Steve Ballmer Clippers owner among the richest. He may be the richest. Jeannie Buss, smallest net worth among all NBA owners. This feels like a corner store and it was the world's biggest basketball brand 15, 20 years ago. The Celtics and the Lakers were two big brands. The Celtics have kept up their end of the deal. Still wildly popular, still move a television rating, 
lots of young ascending players. Go look at the Lakers last 10 years. Take out the bubble year, which was a complete outlier for sports. Take out the bubble year. Last 10 years, what are the Lakers? A bottom five win percentage NBA franchise. I think there are people in Los Angeles that think I'm picking on them. I'm not. But they just literally don't know what they were doing. I was having a conversation with an NBA scout. And he was talking about, to me, the Lakers roster. And he's like, Colin, there are people on that roster that we, the team he worked for, used to work for, he said we wouldn't even give a tryout to. Would not give a tryout to. So Sean McVay, after another loss on Monday Night Football, was quoted saying this year has really been, quote, humbling. Listen, this isn't college football. The better you are, the worse your draft pick. The better you are, you win a Super Bowl, everybody wants a raise. Von Miller wants more money. OBJ wants more money. Players leave. Here's all you have to know. Patrick Mahomes has never repeated as a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. The one thing the Rams have, Sean McVay is a great recruiter, and Stan Kroenke is a very wealthy owner. And Los Angeles is very attractive to free agents. It's why Lincoln Riley can pitch and turn around USC so quickly. It's a great place if you've got the guy willing to give you the sales pitch. Lincoln Riley, Sean McVay, you're going to be fine. Now, Chip Kelly, who's a really smart coach, isn't much of a recruiter, isn't a sales pitch guy. Even he landed the nation's second best high school quarterback this week. So California, a wealthy owner and somebody that can pitch the franchise, you're going to be fine. I mean, that's what I wonder about New England. When New England comes out and says their quarterback, Mac Jones, can't throw a Hail Mary, doesn't have the arm to do it. When they throw 40% of their passes, no more than five yards down the field, the message you're sending to the National Football League, the top receivers, the top tight ends, we don't respect or trust our quarterback. And Belichick's not exactly Zieg Ziegler as a salesman. My concern for the Patriots is that whereas the Rams and New England are struggling, the Rams have a quarterback in Matt Stafford that has proven he can win not only playoff games, but road playoff games, and a coach that's willing to pitch all the high qualities of Los Angeles, of California, of the ownership, of SoFi, of the roster. Belichick views that as beneath him. Players don't want to play in cold weather anyway. They'll go to New England or Buffalo if they can get paid more. But when I look at the Patriots mess, the messaging to the rest of the league and free agents, and this is why it's important, free agents matter to New England because they can't draft and develop skill players. They can't do it 10 years. Gronk's the last offensive pro bowler they drafted and developed. So they've got to go to free agency. What's the sales pitch? We don't love our quarterback. Uh, you'll have to take a pay cut because we won't go top of the market. It's culture and defense over offense. I never worry about USC or, or an Alabama when you hire a Saban or a Brian Kelly at LSU or a Lincoln Riley or a Jim Harbaugh. Those guys can make a pitch. You tell me in New England right now, I'm a wide receiver and they have a terrible wide receiver room. You tell me, what is the pitch? Mac Jones? You don't trust him. Matt Patricia's your offensive coordinator? 
Bill Belichick culture over paycheck? Give me the coach that is willing to sell a program, college or pro. You can turn it around quickly. Belichick, that is not his vibe. And players want to see the love. They want to be recruited. Even guys that are already 50 million plus net worth in the NFL, NBA, they want to be loved. You got to show them the love. So college football coach Pat Narduzzi at Pittsburgh said on radio yesterday that two schools in college football have offered North Carolina quarterback Drake May $5 million to transfer. Drake May is very good. Number one pick next year in the draft will be Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, barring an injury. Following year, Drake May, quarterback Carolina, will be the number one draft pick. Six, four and a half, big arm moves, tremendous talent. He would be pick number two if he came out next year behind Caleb Williams. Tremendous talent. The coach at Pitt says, it's only going to get worse. It's a sad, sad deal. What's sad about it? College football programs make $95 million a year at the top end and $45 to $55 million at the middle to bottom end. What's sad about it? A superstar quarterback, the best in the program's history, is not worth $5 million a year in the NIL era? What's sad about it? Coaches are making $10 million and they skip town every 15 minutes. For all these coaches, what's sad about it? A superstar college quarterback and Drake May is a can't-miss prospect, it appears. You tell me Caleb Williams for USC from 4-8 and eight to 11-2 and two is not worth several million dollars a year? Los Angeles, California's got the fourth biggest economy in the world. Caleb Williams isn't worth 4 or $5 million? These coaches get fired and schools have to pay them 20 and $30 million to buy out their contract and they're not even good at their job. Why can't a college superstar quarterback make 4 to $5 million a year? Why not? Most players aren't making that. 99% of players aren't making a dollar. They're not making anything. Yes, but a superstar quarterback's going to get paid. Average college football coaches make $4 million a year. Guys that get run out after three years and get paid off $15 to $20 million to buy out their contract aren't even good at their work. And it's a sad, sad deal that a superstar quarterback gets paid. Some of these coaches are out of touch. All right, Mike Silver, host of Open Mike on the Volume, wearing the Volume merch. Haven't talked to Mike in a long time. I'm all fired up for this. And we've got to start with this. One of your interviews, I love this so much. I can't, I've got to talk about this. So one of your great interviews was with Robert Sala. Very, uh, you know, just dynamic, good looking, big energy, uh, really authentic at the mic, not a BS or just going to come up. So I, I was pretty harsh on him and I, and I, I've never known if he's going to make it or not because I do worry about defensive coach with young quarterbacks. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields. I worry about it. I see Doug Peterson, who I was begging to get a job in Jacksonville with Trevor and Trevor pops like explodes. I do think we're living in a time where if you can choose, if you have to flip a coin, take the offensive guy with a young quarterback. Be that as it may, I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson. I've said before, I don't know if Salah's going to make it, um, but I didn't like when he blamed the media for being instant coffee, you know, overreactionary and impatient with Zach Wilson. My favorite part, though, is he's your guy and he reached out to you. <laughs> you don't have to read all of it. 
But this is funny. This is why I love doing what I do. And he said to you what? Well, he wanted me to pass along some messages to you. One is that he loves, <laughs> he, longtime listener, big fan, lo- thinks you're very insightful. He said judgmental, but insightful. But uh, yeah, he just wants you to know, I think uh, I'll paraphrase. He doesn't want you to believe that he's some giant meathead. He uh, And he has some offensive background. He played offense through college. He started his coaching career on the offensive side. Um I will say this, Colin. Uh, so he brought Mike LaFleur with him from yeah. uh, the 49ers. And basically, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel were there. Kyle was going to let him take one. Now, normally, when you have the second overall pick in a draft and you pick a quarterback, you sink or swim with that guy, right? Like if Zach Wilson right. turns out to pop and be good, then he and Joe Douglas will be great. And if he doesn't, it's a tough road, right? What I'm trying to wrap my head around is that it's very possible that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will have traded three ones, possibly talked himself, talked himself, Kyle, out of the guy he wanted. That's a whole other story, and we've had that conversation. But whatever. Traded three ones and arrived at Trey Lance. It might be a bust, and they might get away with it because Brock Purdy is here Balling, and if that happens, what? When has it ever happened that? Because that's the kind of thing that you trade three ones and miss at three, right. you get fired. It sets the franchise back years. They're just cruising. Well, they have they have one advantage. Um, they have so many elite players. I mean, they have two elite linebackers, two elite safeties. They could move one. And regain some draft capital. Everybody's looking for pass rushers. And you know what I mean? So, you know, they could go get a bunch of, you know, they could say, listen, uh, Hufunga's hitting it out of the park. We could move Jimmy Ward. So they do have the ability outside of the right side of their offensive line, center right. Not a lot of weaknesses with this franchise. They're even at wide receiver. Jennings is a seventh round pick. Elijah Mitchell at six. They've hit so many home runs. So, my takeaway on the Trey Lance thing is you have to give it another camp in preseason. But here's what worries me. It's By the time next season starts, he's played four games in three years. Mike, it's unprecedented. That's not enough games. Yeah, and juxtaposed against the guy who they took him at 262. So let's not go pretending like they thought he was uh, the second coming of Tom Brady. But... Brock Purdy to them had played a lot of games, right? Got, became a starter his freshman year at Iowa State. And that showed in training camp as Trey Lance was struggling with accuracy and maybe struggling with the weight of the situation. And Jimmy Garoppolo was off on his side field, uh, you know, as, as a spectacle, just throwing, waiting to get traded, it seemed. Brock Purdy was out there going against what's clearly the best defense in football with some swag to him. And you know, the confidence jumped out at people. Uh, and I think that's one reason, uh, along with how he's looked, that it's worked so well since he's come in. But he he was experienced in, in a way that Trey Lance wasn't. So, yeah, I wrote a column for the San Francisco Chronicle uh, recently about what's going to happen next year. Brady had just come to town. And, you know, there are really four people I was talking about, and that was Jimmy Garoppolo, who 
almost certainly will get paid and go elsewhere and has the power to pick his next spot because they can't tag him, nor would they, I don't think. Um, Trey Lance, who will still be under the rookie deal and you have so much invested in. Brock Purdy, obviously a cheap second year of a rookie deal. And, you know, we'll see if he levels off, but has looked the part early on. And then possibly Tom Brady, who will be a free agent if he wants to keep playing, if they are interested in him as a bridge quarterback and he's interested, you could really keep Purdy and Lance around while you have Brady. And so um, I could see that. I could also see a situation where if it goes as well as it seems to be going with Purdy, where they say, look, we're keeping the two young guys. We're going to have a competition in camp, but I would be shocked if Brock Purdy doesn't win that competition. No, this is not a knock on Trey. If you look at what Kyle wants, he wanted Mac Jones, accurate. He liked Kirk Cousins, accurate. Matt Schaub. He liked Matt Schaub. He doesn't like he doesn't like guys that run out of his play. In fact, my knock on him, my only knock on Kyle Shanahan, and this may be unfair, he can become beholden to his play sheet. Is that he? I mean, he is so focused. Like there are times I'm like, could you let Garoppolo let it rip a little? We all know professional athletes care about what they look like. And as you know, I care about what I look like. Right now, I've been wearing a lot of Cuts clothing. I love this thing right now. Every Cut shirt is designed to provide a perfectly tailored look. If you want a a long sleeve Henley, no problem. A short sleeve crew neck, they've got it. Cuts has everything you want. And I've got all of it, and I wear all of it. Right now, 15% off your first order. 15% off first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash Colin. Cuts, C-U-T-S. Look them up. I got a closet full of their stuff, and I love it. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
I want to talk about Brady because Brady refuted your report that he changed Buccaneer game plans. I've known you for a long time. One of the reasons I hired you, you're unbelievably connected and you don't bullshit. Um, so I do think Brady's fascinating because he won't take, because you're not paying Purdy or really Trey Lance anything. And Tom won't take a max deal and with this, with this roster and not, you know, there's just not a lot of money. Yeah. So I do. If I said to you, let's, before we get to refuting your report on Brady, I think it feels as his parents age, 40, 60, 50, 50. I mean, where do you land on Brady and the Niners? I, I believe from talking to people there that he wants to come back at this point, although you never know. And I believe he's open to other situations. Uh, we'll see if Sean Payton gets a job. There was that talk last year. But, you know, I know there was a real pull for him three years ago. And Kyle ultimately decided, you know what, um, I'm going to ride with Jimmy. We just got to the Super Bowl. Kyle has essentially admitted publicly that, well, you know, knowing what we know now about Brady, you know, we we were crazy and so was anyone else who didn't try to get him, but they hadn't loved his take from 2019. Um, you know, and now, you know, he's had a couple bad games now, including against them, but, and we just have this, you know, we've suspended disbelief and we just believe he's always going to be at this level till he's a hundred, right. Which is not going to happen, but, um, you know, there is some allure there, I think on, on both sides. And, you know, first of all, the, one part of my report about Brady that we haven't talked about that I know he's not refuting because we had the conversation very vividly is that he didn't shower after that game. He's back in front of family and friends. It rains. He plays a big, long game, and he gets out of his jersey slowly and puts on his Tom Brady boxers and gets dressed and seemingly boards a cross-country flight. That's crazy rock star stuff like that to me i told him i go i think that's probably your most legendary thing in the last five years maybe other than the rams come back uh you know winning a super bowl that's so i was kind of obsessed with that as far as the other thing so i kind of put in late in my column as a throwaway uh that brady has a meeting with the skill players on saturdays just him and them no coaches and he kind of goes over the coaches you know, script and, okay, you know, on this one, maybe you do this and just tweaks it some and everybody, the skill players though, and the coaches kind of find out on game day. Um, I was just, when I put it in, I was trying to illustrate uh, just how much he has on his plate. And I, pro you know, I did not discuss that with him in the time we had together after the game, partly honestly, because I was so obsessed with the shower thing uh and partly because i just hadn't regarded it as a super significant thing when i heard it but i think what happened is when it came out it it got taken by everyone as this incendiary thing and i think todd bulls and byron Leftwich, who also refuted it probably thought there it's it looks like we don't really coach and tom is the guy running things and tom may, maybe took it as it looks like I'm going rogue. I, I didn't get the feeling that anybody was upset about this, that this is, you know, and, and imagine if Peyton Manning were still playing at a high level and he were the same age as Tom or, or that age. Would you let Peyton Manning be heavily involved in tweaking the plays and telling players? You know, right. of course you would. So I, I didn't 
think, you know, the way it was portrayed to me is like, it's, this is a good thing. We have Tom Brady. He's giving heavy input and we're all on the same page. So, look, I stand by what I reported, but I do regret that I didn't get a chance to explicitly ask Tom about it. Um, that's on me. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think what you said there is your takeaway was look at how much Tom has on his plate. Right. It it wasn't an indictment of the character or work ethic of the coaches. It was um, an illustration of this thing's been a little bit of a tire fire and Tom's having to take control of it. Uh, I've, I've done that in my career where I, I say something or um, uh, I tell a story and people take it to be um, harsh when I'm just trying to illuminate something. So, I, I mean, I get it, but I, it's happened to me more than once. You know, so many things are interesting with the 49ers. Somebody was saying this to me recently, and I apologize for anybody listening to the podcast. We were talking about this. It may have been Jason McIntyre said this on the show. Only thing worse than making a draft mistake is doubling down on it. And what's interesting about Trey Lance is because of his lack of playing and aesthetically, he has struggled with accuracy. I know this because I was told the Niners literally went and called a quarterback coach last year in preseason, I won't give his name away, and said, um, all hands on deck, we got an issue here. So it was a real issue. Then we watched him play twice and we're like, oh, it is an issue. He, It's a little Zach Wilson. He's missing layups. He's missing the easy stuff. And I don't think, I don't think the Niners ask a ton of their quarterbacks. They really don't. It's kind of a Chris Paul, get the ball to the shooter, get the ball in the lane, right? You're not asking them to be Steph Curry and hit 32 footers off balance. Like sometimes Kansas City or the Chargers or the Bills ask their quarterback to be Superman. Right. So the question with Trey is, Purdy's accurate, Trey's not. And what if they and, go to camp? Yeah, there, there are times where Trey was accurate. It's that he wasn't consistently accurate. And when consistent. it looked bad, fair. it looked really fair. bad. Um, so here's what I would say on Trey. One thing that seems to me to be the case, and this is from talking to some people on the inside too, um, that athleticism that they believed they saw, you know, when you're running circles around Montana State, that's cool. But it's not necessarily the same thing as doing it in the SEC, right? I think they thought he could get outside a little bit more than what Good they point. encountered. And he's not. And like Josh Allen could do it. Lamar, heaven knows, and Justin Fields could do it, right? Um, there are some people who can do it. And Josh played at a lower level, Wyoming, which is still higher than North Dakota State. Um, so... People were like, why was Kyle running him inside when he got hurt? Why, why did he keep running him inside? I think he was running him inside because he couldn't get outside. And so if that's the case, that's not on Trey. That's a failure uh, in the scouting process. Um, I've always clung to the fact that he's very, very intelligent. And, and what Kyle does yes. ask, what Kyle does ask is understand this very – um, high concept thing we're doing and know how to get it to the right person. So that is, that's always been exciting to me. But if you have accuracy that's not there and you don't have crazy athleticism, they were excited about the deep ball. That's kind of gone away. Um, but, you know, not, not with Trey, but I mean, with Jimmy and Brock Purdy, it's less of a part of their offense than they 
intended. And they drafted a guy, Danny Gray, who really hasn't been on the field. But, um, you know, look, your depiction of what they're doing is very accurate. And Robert Saul and I actually have had the conversation about how many elite players they have at many positions. And that allows you a lot of leeway um, in that situation. What I haven't seen from Purdy yet, I did see him go on the road. I did see him deal with a loud crowd in Seattle. I did see him play hurt, uh, you know, on a short week. So all that's really, um, you know, uplifting. What I, what I need to see next from Purdy is you're down 14 points in the fourth quarter, or you are, you need to really do something special with the ball, uh, you know, on a deep out or something. And, that the game hinges on that. Yes. Um, and will he, you know, no quarterback's perfect. And, you know, look, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing at a pretty high level. If Jimmy Garoppolo got down by 14 points in the playoffs this year, had he not gotten hurt and then threw a pick, you know what would have happened. The world would have said, he, he's not good enough. You can only go so far with him. He yeah. can't win the big one. It's it's very possible that that could happen to Brock Purdy. And given where we are in the season, it's possible that could happen in Philadelphia or in, in the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, when Tom Brady beats Dallas in the well, playoffs and then comes back to Levi's and rips out their souls and, you know, whatever it is. Well, the greatest come-from-behind quarterback ever statistically is Patrick Mahomes, and he's the best quarterback. The great quarterbacks can do two things. Score is irrelevant. Even with Aaron Rodgers, top 10 quarterback ever, score is relevant. He's not as good from behind. Mahomes wins over 55% of the games he's trailed by 10 points. That's historically makes no sense. Wow. The second thing great quarterbacks do is beat great teams. Two is a great example. 5-0 and against non-playoff teams, dragged against three playoff teams. Now he'll go home against Green Bay and he'll win a game because they probably won't make the playoffs. So I think with Purdy, your concerns are very real. He's playing with a lead and he's beating meh. So as the when you get to the playoffs, you're at Philadelphia. You trail. That, that's, I remember saying this about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, when he had Nick Chubb and throwing on second and four, Baker Mayfield was really effective. Sure. Trailing, totally different quarterback. And, and, and like, it's interesting talking about the 49ers. I'm really torn because I know how good they are and I see how they're rolling and get, I've gotten healthier and I feel that vibe and I look at the NFC and I'm thinking they should win that conference, in my opinion. Not a given, but that's there. But then if you really break it down, they've beaten two teams – uh, that currently have winning records. That's the Dolphins, who are eight and six, and the Chargers, who are eight and six. Beat the Seahawks, who are seven and seven twice. They've lost to one team that currently has a winning record. That's the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was not close. They got rolled. Now, McCaffrey had just gotten there. They had some health issues. Yeah. Traverius Ward wasn't right, but that was not a uh, – if that was a Super Bowl preview, we hope it wasn't because the Chiefs were <laughs> way better that day. So, uh, you know, I I, I want to make sure I don't get too ahead of myself on it, but I saw your tweet the other night when I was working in Seattle with Brock Purdy <laughs> and the – you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, he might. Now, I think the counterpoint to that would be even if Brock, Brock Purdy gets to the Super Bowl, get ready for Purdy versus Burrow. Purdy versus <laughs> Allen. Purdy versus right. Mahomes. 
Purdy versus Lamar. Like, it's probably going to be one of those, like, whoa. Doesn't mean he can't win with that team. Okay, Mike Silver and I doing a lot of Niners talk. Um, It's interesting. Let's go to Robert Saul and the Jets because of your relationship with him and the fact that he listens to my show. So I want to say something nice. So I've said this before. You don't have to win games. For me to think you are a good coach, I have to see your footprint on the team. Very early with Sean McDermott, the defense got good by year two without a lot of, without the players he has now. Um, Sean McVay, year one, Lincoln Riley, USC. Can't fix everything. Goff went from bust to he may make a Pro Bowl. Um, Where Mike McDaniel and Robert Sala have convinced me, the offense for the Dolphins may be the most creative in the league. And Sala's fingerprints are all over that defense. It is a, he has really done an amazing job. Um, And some of that is, you know, Sauce Gardner and Quentin Williams. I mean, some of these are just great players. But when I look at them, that's why I know Robert Soller can coach. He, he Because I do think there are a lot of things that are out of your control. Look at McVay and the offensive line for the Rams this year. There's nothing you can do. They've had 14 different offensive lines. It's They were uniquely healthy last year. They're uniquely unhealthy this year. So, But it does raise up something interesting with Sala. Is that whereas Daniel Jones, I don't see anything special. Zach Wilson's a little too cowboy for me, Johnny Manziel. But you can see the arm. Like, you can see the feet. Yeah. The question becomes, because I think Sala is in no danger. I think that I think everybody gets. He knows what he's doing. Shouldn't be, yeah. But, but, but we said this earlier. The only thing worse than making a mistake on a quarterback in the first round is doubling down on it. How long do you give Zach Wilson? Because Mike White, my eyes tell me today, is a better NFL quarterback. And I think that's why they made the move, right? You don't want to make that move um, franchise building wise. You just don't want to make that move. Even if it's, ah, we'll put the young guy out for a little bit. He can sit and watch and gather himself. That's not usually awesome. Like Patrick Mahomes didn't gather himself. Now he was great from the start, but you know, Tua had to sit and watch and gather himself. I don't think that's what fixed Tua. I think it was Mike McDaniel. I know it was Mike McDaniel coming in and giving him love and trading for Tyreek Hill and, you know, talking about the scheme that you, that you mentioned being so creative, but I, I just, you know, I do believe that they're at a point, and remember, they're not at full strength. They've had some pretty brutal injuries, you know, starting with Becton, who, you know, we don't know how big that was, but, you know, other injuries on the line, Elijah Barrett Tucker, um, the running back, Brees Hall, who would look so good. So they, they've had some impact injuries. Um, I think that team is good enough now that you can't afford to play a, a guy that you hope is going to, you know, that's right. your franchise quarterback. And and the other thing is the locker room, you know, at some point the players know, and that's not okay. Like you think Dwayne Brown, who's there at the end of his career, or some of these guys want to hear that like, well, maybe in a couple of years, this will be great for the Jets. They're like, dude, I'm out there, you know, trying to win right now. And great Mike, point. Mike White's better right now. And the other thing is I think, you know, it's New York. Everything's amplified. There were rumblings that in the locker room, it wasn't going great with Zach Wilson. 
Uh, you saw some players act out after that game, that last one he started before now. And then Zach Wilson said something really stupid that was a layup. He missed the layup at the microphone, right? And he's a very young guy. I don't, I shudder to think how I would have been on the microphone at that age. But, you know, a layup is, hey, Zach, do you think, do you feel like you let your teammates down in this game? And you go, yeah, of course. It starts with me. I'm the quarterback. I need to play better. We all need to play better. We're a team, but I, I'm the quarterback. I need to lead. I need to, you know, play better than I did today. That's a layup. And when you, when your answer is like, not, not me. Um, if you were already struggling in the locker room, that hurts you. Sala saw that, put it all together and was like, okay, we can't, you know, no more playtime. We're trying to win a game now. Right. And I don't think Robert Saul looks at Mike White. Mike, I haven't had this conversation with him, but I don't believe he looks at Mike White and goes, hey, that's my, you know, that's my Joe Montana. I think he's just like, this guy's better now. And if we blew that pick, it's going to be hard to survive it, but we're going to have to figure that out after the season or maybe he'll mature and get better. And you're right. You do see, you know, we haven't seen it as much with Lance, but we've barely seen Lance. We've seen it with Trevor Lawrence uh, now, and we kind of, you know, and he, and he had a rough, very, very rough first year. Mac Jones, we thought we saw something, and then he got Patricia judged, which is a whole other, um, you know, situation. And, you know, Davis Mills, we've seen a little, and that's not going great. Justin Fields, I, I got to tell you, he may not be perfect and all that. I've seen something. I I've seen something. Yeah, there. You know what I worry about: Jalen Hurts hurt, Lamar hurt, yeah. Trey Lance got hurt running. Uh, now Matt Stafford's also hurt. Yeah. Josh Allen would be hurt, but he's six six two sixty. That helps. Is yeah. So I, I do worry that these hyper athletic quarterbacks who can all throw, um, you know, many Justin Fields doesn't have a good old line. Lamar doesn't have good receiving cores. A Kyler may not have a good coach. That when you're hyper-athletic, by the way, Josh Allen doesn't have a consistent run game or offensive line, that when you're hyper-athletic and things aren't going well, high school and college, your makeup is, I'm out, yep. I'm moving. Yep. So it, I don't think Justin Fields would run nearly as much if he had legitimate receivers in an O-line. Right, and the threat of it would make it even easier for him to have open guys I think the other point is over time, like I'm not concerned about Josh Allen right now getting hurt as right. much as I am, but over, you know, Cam Newton had a short career. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had to change because it, it it built up, you know, all those extending plays. He had to get rid of the ball, you know, much more quickly toward the end. Um, but, you know, you look at how Cam Newton's career went and you're like, he was the MVP was at a high level. Nobody wanted to tackle him. He's so big and athletic, but um, when it started to go, it went. And so I just, if I'm the Bills, I'm like, okay, Josh, when we need you to do one of those things to win an important game or do something, I, I get it. But if my number one priority with Josh Allen would be figure out a way to not rely on that because over time, you just don't want it. Yeah, Big Ben and Cam Newton. You don't feel those. And, you know, it's almost like... Steve Young had a short career, right? You know, and I covered that. And Steve Young's impulse was get out and go. Now, Mike Shanahan came in as the offensive coordinator and 
really crafted a guy who would sit back and read more and he threw six touchdowns at the Super Bowl and you know whatever but you know he he had a short career too so I, I think it doesn't mean by the way the Bills would take a short career of what they have now he's incredible but you'd rather have it be longer this week's gold medal performance goes to a team who will see a quick turnaround next year Despite being eliminated from the playoffs, the Rams' future is still pretty bright. They have a star quarterback. Matt Stafford announced he's coming back. Cooper Cup's coming back. Sean McVay's a great salesman, and L.A. recruits itself for free agents. Ask Lincoln Riley in USC. The Rams aren't a bad franchise or a bad team. They were just dealt a lot of bad luck with injuries. They'll be back soon. This week's gold medal performance is sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. We're living in tough economic times with soaring grocery prices, high inflation, unstable stock market. You really want to gamble with your investments? I trust Legacy Precious Metals with gold and precious metal investments. Legacy can help protect your wealth and your financial future. Call Legacy today at 866-674-HERD or visit buylegacygold.com to download their comprehensive gold guide. Don't leave retirement to chance. Invest in gold with Legacy Precious Metals. Visit BuyLegacyGold.com. BuyLegacyGold.com. Start the NFL week off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay every Thursday from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Every Thursday night, you'll get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets, two or three or four, for a chance at a bigger payday. You build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, bet the NFL every Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up, promo code Colin. If you don't already have an account, that's promo code Colin to get free bets back if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-717 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. So uh, finally, we've taken enough of your time. Um, I, I said this the other day. It doesn't matter. You're you're employed by multiple people. Uh, Metal Lark Media, me, Bally, San Francisco Chronicle. You have four employers. So you could have more. And, and one boss who's down the hall over there. She's getting ready for yeah. Christmas. We all have that boss. Yes, yeah. So I've always said you'll your value is ultimately decided on an open market. The, crit- the media critics can like you or not like you. You're on the open market. And I said this about the Raiders and Derek Carr. It may be time. I think you can make a valid argument 
that the Raiders can move off him because they've got some holes. And I think you can get a first and a fifth or a first and a fourth for him. Maybe it's a second and a fourth. I don't know. But I also think Derek would have a very dynamic market. I think if you put him in New York with that defense and and Brees Hall, hello, that that's a playoff team. So it's interesting. You can be two things at once, have an excellent market, and the Raiders need to rebuild. He's not a dead cap hit. And Will Levis has a big arm. Josh McDaniels, look what he did to Mac Jones year one. Look what's happened to him since he left. What do you make of Carr, the Raiders? Because I, I can see, Mike, them saying, we like him. But if we can get a second one and a second three, because I think they already have two fives, multiple sixes. What do you make of the Raiders situation? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm going to see them uh, in a couple of weeks and and I'll have a stronger opinion. But, you know, I think here's why that makes sense. Number one, the owner was the owner had the wandering eye for years on Kari Water Russell Wilson. You know, he was he was just kind of like, hey, can we get a superstar for the move to Vegas? Um, I, I think they paid enough guys around him that you could benefit from a situation where your quarterback is on a, a rookie deal at first, right? Because you paid so, yes. Waller, you paid Renfro, you paid Devante. Now Devante came there because of Derek Carr. So you got to deal with the politics of that, but you paid Crosby as you should, you know, you paid Chandler Jones. Maybe you wish you hadn't, I, although you do now uh, after that right. after one play, but uh, yeah. So I think, that's it. I and I do think Derek Carr would have a big um market. And by the way, Garoppolo as a bridge quarterback would be on the table for Josh, depending on how he feels about him. I I think this is what I would say about Derek Carr. He's very intelligent. Um, you know, you could definitely win with him. He might, he's not gonna elevate you the way Mahomes does, who can, but the the sneaky thing about Derek Carr that people don't really talk about is his clutch performance metrics are, and maybe I know this more because I covered a lot of Raider games when he was in Oakland. He's got a lot of come from behind victories, clutch wins, fourth quarter. Like it's not an anomaly. His numbers are very, very close to the top since he's been in the league. And I'd ha- I have to go look that up again. There's different ways to measure it. But he's a guy who can take you back when you're down at the end and lead that game when he drives. So, yeah, um, I think he'd have a, a real market. You know, some new guys are going to come into the league and Jimmy's out there. But really, it's not like we have this crazy abundance of, you know, frontline quarterbacks and he would probably be the most attractive free agent on the market other than, you know, in recent years, other than Russell, who was kind of an anomaly. That's and right. And Brady, who was an anomaly. Um, he'd probably be the guy that got the most interest. Well, this year, Kirk Cousins has seven fourth quarter wins, like come from behind. Why? Because when you get to year eight and nine, Brady talked about this years ago. He's like, I've seen every defense. Yeah. Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins have trailed in a lot of games late. Yeah. You know, but, situationally, but Carr's, Mike. Carr's numbers yeah. have always, it's weird. Like, if you look back, even when they're not good, the teams he's on, his, a lot of his wins were come from behind in the fourth quarter. Kind of wish I had the numbers in front of me. But yeah, no, you're right. And he's at a stage where, 
He's seen it. And he's, you know, nobody is going to ever say Derek Carr doesn't process it fast or Derek Carr doesn't right. have a grasp of the game. And also, you know, he you talk about franchise quarterbacks. That, like, he's going to take it really seriously. He's not going to. He's not going to screw yeah. it up. So I thought Joe Douglas, I think his last two drafts for the Jets have been really strong. Sure. Really, like Brees Hall, star. Gardner, star. A um, couple of these wide receivers, really special. Yeah, Elijah Vera Tucker, really good pick. Yeah. Um, best offensive lineman in the had in eight years, 10 years. If they have another good draft with Derek Carr in that division, that to me is a team that goes toe-to-toe with Buffalo. I really believe that because Joe Douglas is the secret sauce here. Those last two drafts, that draft last year for the Jets, that was one of the best. I think I said it at the time. I don't sure I've ever seen a team, first four picks, all be starters and all potentially high-end starters. So the the Giants are a rebuild. I mean, their O-line and receiving core a mess. Like the Jets have to clean up their O-line and get the quarterback in the mar- in the free agent market, but the Jets have a lot of stars. They're not paying anything to yet, nothing, yeah. and yeah. for they have like a three year runway on them. Yeah, the Jets. I, I mean, that division is going to be tough because I think McDaniel is here to stay as a force, and um, I know the Bills are set up. I don't think the Patriots are particularly set up to thrive, but that's another topic. Try not to kick them when they're down, and they should be down right now because, you know, when you pride yourself on your players always knowing what to do in situational football, and in fairness to Bill, he earned that. They practice those things, and they go over arcane situations. So I, I know Belichick's head has to be exploding, but, man, that's probably, if they don't make the playoffs, that may well be the reason, right? And that's right. And it was insane. And two players did something insane. And honestly, Bill did something kind of weird by calling a draw play in the first place and then saying, I didn't think my quarterback could throw it that far. Then take a knee, right? I mean, I just don't see, do you really think Ramondi Stevenson's going to score on a draw from your own 30 or whatever, or 40? No. So, okay, he's not going to score. You've got time for one play. Are you, what, what else could happen? Well, he could fumble and they could scoop and score. That's not good. Uh, he could get concussed. That's probably bad. So one of your other players could get hurt. Not good. Um, he could ridiculously lateral it to a guy. Well, that's kind of not good. That guy could then run backwards like 12 yards and then throw across his body to the middle of the field behind him to Mac Jones. And then Chandler Jones could catch that ball in stride and as I say in my Bally column that hasn't come out yet, but I'll give you a preview, uh, run over him like a semi running over a pillow and then proceed to right. the end zone and, and win the game. So that's on Bill, too. Um, but, yeah, the Jets are in a good spot. And the Giants, I I don't know how. I know Brian Dayball should be at the very forefront of the Coach of the Year conversation. And I know Wake Martindale, the defensive coordinator, should be – in my opinion, one of the very top guys in the head coaching cycle because he did this in Baltimore most years too. And he's had injuries. And you look at their stats, not just total defense, but all the you know quarterback hits and third down and all these different stats. They're, they are higher than they should be based on the talent level. Oh, no. I mean, the Giants literally can play one way to win. 
can never get an can't forget a shootout. If it's in the twenties, they're in danger. I mean, <laughs> the fact that Dable is, and I know that Robert Sala said I'm judgmental, but I don't think Brian, jo- I don't think Daniel Jones is it. I didn't like him in college. I don't like him in the pros. He's a backup. He's a really good backup. Yeah, I mean, he's like a top three backup. But that's what he feels. I can't build around Daniel Jones. I just can't. I I am equally judgmental when it comes to Daniel Jones, and I'm trying to be less judgmental in my you know in my older age. But I would agree with you. And I all I can tell you is not just Daniel Jones. I looked at that team and thought that team's gonna have a hard time winning. You know, three four games. Maybe Dave will give him a little bump. And let's say when they were four and one, I texted a lot of people in that building, and I was like. I don't understand. And they were like, we don't really understand either, man. Like, we, this is beyond what we thought could happen. So uh, give that those players and those coaches a lot of credit. And Joe Shane, I mean, whatever they did, they're 8-5-1, and one, and they're probably going to make the playoffs. And if they don't, oh, no. I mean, still a success story. It's a weapons league. It's a quarterback weapons league. They have a backup and no weapons, <laughs> and they may make the playoffs. Yeah. It's insane. They have Saquon. I mean, bless them. You know, a revived Saquon. And, yeah, and, like, I, I again, Martindale, like, you look at that defense. Okay, well, Thibodeau, we saw what he could do in this last game, obviously. Leonard Williams is, is a good player. Um, and, you know, they got some guys, like, I kind of know who they are. They're pretty good. But, like, ask a fan. Like, if you and I were sitting having a – burger at your awesome place in Hermosa and someone walked in and they were like, Oh, Hey, Colin, I love your show. Blah, blah, blah. And we got into a conversation with him or her. And we said, Hey, by the way, you, you follow football. Yeah. I follow football. You play fantasy. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the New York giants? I, I don't know. Could you name four players on that defense? And if you're, if you're correct, we will give you free beer. Uh, at this beer hall for life. I think they would say, I cannot. That's right. No, I, it's, yeah, coach of the year, Dayball's top three. Um, and I think Shanahan has to be in that conversation with three quarterbacks. Absolutely. Shanahan, because he's winning more. Also, the guy at Minnesota. Yes. Situationally. Yeah. yeah. Can't can't win eight one possession games or ten one possession games. I defended Kevin O'Connell when people were freaking out before the greatest comeback in NFL history last week. I said they said they have a negative point differential. They're the worst ten and three team ever. I'm like, that's amazing that they're ten and three. That's a testament to Kevin O'Connell and those players. If they're you know you should be celebrating them. And then yeah, and, I, and I, of course Nick Sirianni is going to get attention when you're 13 or one uh you know it's hard not to but we should ask michael parsons about that because i know he wasn't a fan of jalen hurts as mvp he might not love the nick sirianni coach of the year campaign either mike silver this has been absolutely great so much fun can i read you one i just got a text and i checked it while we were on the air because i saw the initials uh about 20 minutes ago, the text is from Robert Sala, and it says, Cowherd, give a response to my message, question mark. So he was following up, and I'm going to text him back now, and I'm going to say, yes, he did, and it will be on 
this podcast. And like the rest of America, I'm sure the head coach of the Jets will be tuning in and with, with great <laughs> with great interest. Here on no, the, I'm not. Here I on said the volume. Before, <laughs> I'm not. I, I've said 10 times on the air. I can see his impact all over that team. But when he when he pushes back on the you know listen I don't mind being ripped I get ripped but the critics don't like me fan whatever I like I'm I get it but I think it's unfair because Robert benched him <laughs> I didn't bench Zach Wilson Robert did and he pissed Robert off in a press conference not me you didn't draft so. him you didn't bench him <laughs> you did not yeah you did not monitor his press conference but and look man. It, it, I'm now I'm all about the quarterback revival story. You mentioned Jan, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Jimmy this year. Who saw that coming? Uh, Zach Wilson, Tua. Like it's it's there, man. Maybe there's a quarterback revival story for Zach Wilson, and this will just make it all the more dramatic. Great talking to you, buddy. Right on. Thank you. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.